Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends, and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello, and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Michelle Beck. I'm a two-time, nine-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends. And when I have time, I write at a blog called I Never Liked Pink. Before we get started today, I wanted to remind listeners out there that every few months, I want to do episodes about warrior stories. I want to hear what inspired you after your cancer journey, how your life has changed for the better, or what really helped you through your journey. So please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. I also want to get a sh- give a shout out today to a local lady who listens, Stephanie Duio from Wilsonville, Oregon. Thank you so much for listening and so glad you're out there. Today, I'm welcoming back my mentor, silver lining to my cancer journey, Yvonne Nydigger, as we are going to discuss a topic that is very near and dear to our hearts, uh, metastatic or stage four breast cancer, as it, as it is also known. And Michelle, thank you for inviting us to the program today. I am so thrilled to be here as always. Um, you know, my role at Breast Friends for years as a patient advocate, um, I was the director of programs and I had such an amazing opportunity to meet so many women in our community who were going through various stages of breast cancer. And I really feel like the opportunity to talk with them directly and especially be able to mentor them in a way that was really a a gift to me and gave me purpose in my own personal cancer journey. Um, This last year has been incredibly challenging for both Michelle and I because we have had a number of the women who are connected to our Breast Friends program be diagnosed with stage four uh, metastatic cancer. And sadly, we also lost a few of our warrior women to stage four breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer. So um, again, this is a topic, as Michelle says, it is extremely near and dear to our hearts. And we're hoping today that um, between the information that Michelle's going to share and some of the insight I have from patients and some of the incredibly encouraging um, stories and quotes that we have, we can share a little bit of insight on this very difficult topic. So thank you, Yvonne. I don't know when my dropped off on Zoom, but I'm back. So <laughs> the joys of live. <laughs> well, and, and we always say you and I share a brain cell. So it just took me a moment to hook myself into yours and move forward. So no worries here on my part. <laughs> this is why you are my silver lining to everything. <laughs> so let's let's get let's get going. So most of you out there, I'm sure know this. But what is metastatic breast cancer? It is when the cancer cells have spread from the breast to other parts of the body, most often the bones, brain, liver, and lungs. It's classified as advanced stage four breast cancer. Symptoms depend on what areas of the body the cells have invaded. Today, October 13th is metastatic breast cancer awareness day. And I don't know if you guys know this, but Every day has multiple things to celebrate, recognize, be aware of, 
And we just don't want this one to get lost in the struggle because <laughs> it, it is so important and it affects people every year. Today is also apparently National No Bra Day, which I can 100% get behind. Me too. And National Stop Bullying Day. So mm. obviously great things. But it is also apparently tomorrow is National Dessert Day. And yesterday was National Pulled Pork Day. What? So this is... <laughs> This is ridiculous. It's things are getting so bogged down that we're not supposed to. It, it's it's hard to find yeah. what is really important, and that's why we're here today to discuss the metastatic breast cancer. Absolutely, Michelle. Absolutely, I think that's it's uh, like you say. Um, all of these other things are are fun, and there's moments when they they also have um, an opportunity, like the National um, Stop Bullying Day, to shed light on an important topic. But I think we need to circle back around to the fact that some of these days of recognition, like today, <clears throat> are critical to the the public understanding the importance. So I'm really glad to be here on this important day. And as, as you all know out there, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It has a whole month, but they've, they've pinpointed this day, I think, to take away the, it's not about the pink ribbons. It's, it's not about, you know, just breast cancer. This is, this is serious because, um, you know, Yvonne, let's talk about why you feel like there's one specific day we need to focus on metastatic breast cancer. Well, I think it all comes down to dollars. And it's sad to say that in our in our society today, um, the more attention something gets, the more dollars get put towards that. And research towards specifically metastatic breast cancer and the diagnosis is incredibly critical. Um, I, I can't say enough that even though people see the pink and they, they say, oh my gosh, breast cancer, it has so much attention. You know, there's so much fundraising that goes on. There's all these things that happen, especially this time of year around breast cancer. The percentage of funds that are funneled directly to research involving metastatic breast cancer is really sorely lacking. And I think it's something that mm -hmm. needs to be shifted in the dynamic and it needs to be approached in a more aggressive manner. So today is a, is a call to arms, um, not only mm -hmm. for people who are listening, but also for uh, sponsors and um, groups and organizations that might be thinking about who can we support. Um, Metavivers are, mm -hmm. are a huge thing. So yeah, it's important, important work today. Yeah, and a lot of the information that I am going to talk about today, statistics-wise, comes from metaviver.org and mm -hmm. you can find so much good information there and they're actually a a great place to to donate for for metastatic breast cancer. Um, I'm going to highlight some of the statistics which are very sobering um, from cancer.net and the metaviver.org. In 2021, an estimated 284,200 people uh, majority of them women in the United States will be diagnosed with invasive breast cancer. One in eight women, that is what we just talked about, will be diagnosed, but one in three of them will become metastatic. 6% of the women who have metastatic breast cancer are have it when they are first diagnosed. So you go in there, you go, your, your life explodes by saying you have breast cancer, but then you are also told that it is stage four. <sighs> Ugh, just it's heartbreaking. Um, breast cancer is the second most common cause of death from cancer in women 
and metastatic breast cancer causes the vast majority of those deaths. Five-year survival rate for women with metastatic breast cancer is 28%. For men, it is 22%, which blows people. Like we need to figure this out. There needs to be more research, more things done so we can we can figure this out because that and is un- and so good to remind people that this is a disease that affects men as well. And mm-hmm. look at that statistic. I mean that is um that's terrifying. Both of those numbers. That's terrifying. Yeah. Um my my last one is really just kind of a statement despite enormous efforts in the areas of prevention and early detection over the past decades little has changed in terms of metastatic breast cancer. Mm. We've, we've found other treatments for, you know, for different things. There's, there's treatments for triple negative, triple negative, you know, triple positive. There's, there's a lot of treatments out there, but for some reason, when it becomes metastatic, we, the medical community has not found that perfect lock and key yet. So we really need to get behind that. Mm-hmm. So Yvonne, I want you to talk about if you can. So you and I, like we're, we're, we're doing, we're trying to raise awareness and be advocates, but how, how can people out there who want to help join in and, and really help kind of get this disease eradicated? And again, I think it comes back to when you're not in the world of breast cancer, you know, there's so many, there's so many, um, worthy organizations out there that people are supporting. But you start looking at the statistics and the number of women and men that are dying from this particular disease. And it really drives home the fact that um, when you're talking about one in eight women, the opportunity for all of us to have a mother, sister, daughter, friend, who at some point in their lives is going to be diagnosed with some stage of breast cancer, it really should make this um, top priority in terms of how can we possibly find ways to support something that's going to make a difference in a broad number of our population and, you know, helping raise awareness. um, If you are part of the breast cancer community, and especially if you're part of the metastatic community, um, doing some um, uh, public advocacy, going out there and actually speaking in, in regards to the importance of it, awareness campaigns that are out there right now, supporting those, whether it's financial, or just by participating. Um, If you're a business or a corporation, this is an incredibly important uh, category of of our population to get behind and to possibly do and host a fundraising activity or some sort of a in-like donation. Um, Sponsoring fundraisers, you know, Breast Friends always says that every dollar counts. And, you know, people always think, you know, my $20 can't possibly make a difference, but you take that times every person in the United States and we could have enough money to really start to make a difference. And also just honoring those who have passed and keeping their memories alive. Um, As I said in the earlier part of the program, um, Michelle and I lost a number of very dear friends this year to metastatic cancer. So we have our our flag at half mast, so to speak, mm-hmm. but our our pom poms are cheerleading our energy to eradicate what we went through on a very personal level for everyone out there who has someone in their life who is going through metastatic breast cancer. Uh, we're just going to wave them as high as we can and try to raise, like I say, raising that awareness and, and raising funds. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I do want to talk about fundraising really quick because I saw this fact and it boggles my mind. For every $1 million spent on breast cancer research, only about $20,000 goes toward metastatic research. God. 2%. And which does not correlate with the numbers at all. 2% of the funding goes to this research. However, a ridiculous amount of people, way more than that, are dying from metastatic breast cancer. So yeah. the, the numbers just don't add up. No. And it, there are definitely the metastatic researchers out there really believe that they can improve the longevity and the quality of life for stage four patients if the research is more significantly funded and at 2%, um, that is definitely not going to happen. And um, I, this is why one of the reasons why I buy lottery tickets, because I mean, yeah, who doesn't want to win the lottery, but I, for my heart is just so dedicated to serve now that this is one of the causes that is so near and dear to my heart. And that would get all of my money. So um, just everybody out there, remember stage four needs more. And if you, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just, you know, and and it is, like I say, it's a passion that gets lit underneath you when you've been personally touched by it. And again, I, I really ask people out there to consider the fact, the statistics that you listed, Michelle, should make everyone realize and understand that this disease, um, and, you know, going back to the whole idea that we we celebrate, we embrace, we bring recognition to breast cancer survivors during the month of October. We celebrate and we honor women who had men who have passed during the month of October. But there's that intermediate step, that that metastatic step that almost gets slightly lost in the shuffle. Yeah, it's like we're we're so focused, and that's to me. Sometimes I wonder if that isn't a part of the reason why the medical community is so incredibly focused on this upper category, this group of people who are in this quote-unquote survivor category and or in treatment category, and this um, center section, the the um, population out there that's doing the large donations, businesses, what have you. It's hard to get behind something that you feel like, oh, okay. If I put my money here towards the survivorship stage of it, it has more significance, but not realizing that that money going to that research for these metastatic women is going to lift that number even higher. It's going to bring that up and bring us more hope. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's just um, it just baffles me, baffles me. I can I can kind of understand in the big picture because it's hard to talk about. It is yeah. hard to know that, yes, you know, w- we, we all are going to pass someday. However, the patients who are diagnosed stage four, it's different. Yeah. They, they, okay. know, they know that this is what is ultimately going to end their life more than likely. And it's challenging and it's, it's hard to talk about. It's hard to, even for us who, mm-hmm. you know, we, we do this for a living, yeah. but it's, gosh, how do you find the right thing to say? And I think if corporations are putting their money towards survivorship and just overall, mm-hmm. you know, breast cancer awareness, great, because they have inspirational stories of, you know, oh, this, this did this. And these people are, their, their survivor rates are wonderful. But then when you look at the metastatic category, 
it it's just it's the the numbers aren't there yet because the research isn't there yet so it just it's kind of it's it's very circular yeah yeah and i you know what i find interesting i i know you know we're aware of it and there's uh, there are commercials on television now about metastatic breast cancer and i had spoken to um a number of women who were going through not only metastatic diagnosis, but also end of life. And I remember one of my, one of our girls had, had said to me, you know, it's really hard when metastatic breast cancer is being portrayed on television as a woman going jogging and, Mm -hmm. you know, being really active and doing all these things. And yes, of course there are, and we'll talk about this. There are lots of women who are managing and living with metastatic breast cancer and doing extremely well. And that's not to minimize that as an opportunity for um, some amazing, amazing things that are happening for women with metastatic cancer. But it is also true that there are a lot of women out there that are really, you know, struggling with the diagnosis. So um, it's, it's, again, we, we put this out there. The only time that we're really seeing it is as the woman going jogging and mm-hmm. managing metastatic breast cancer. And to a lot of women going through metastatic breast cancer, that isn't a full yeah. representation no. of what they are actually going through in their lives. So, you know, we've, we've candy coated it to make it more uh, digestible and it's, it's just hard. And I understand, you know, a pharmaceutical company has to do that because they want that to show that yes, the drug is doing great things, but uh, we also have to find space in our world to honor that additional step as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, um, um, it's, it's a, like you say, you know, we can understand it. Um, we can understand why the funding is going towards the, the women who are, you know, walking with the pom poms and <laughs> yeah. running. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I, I always laugh because there are so many of us who, in the throngs of going through breast cancer, the last thing we think of is going around. I remember, you know, dragging myself to the, Relay for Life and um, <laughs> walking through that and going to the Race for the Cure and thinking, race? No, I'd be the tortoise in this one. Yeah. <laughs> There's no racing for me. I'm going to be right there with you. So we do need to take a short break. Remember, you can make a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help breast friends continue on its mission to ensure that women do not go through cancer alone. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. 
Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Yvonne Nydigger, and we have been talking about the bitch that is metastatic breast cancer. <laughs> yes. I, th- I don't even, I can think of a lot worse words to describe it. <sighs> so we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about the treatment options in a, in a broader picture for metastatic breast cancer. So normally getting the cancer out of the body is the goal of treatment. But in stage four patients, that is not always possible. So Yvonne, can you kind of walk through some of the, what treatment goals might be for a stage four patient? Yeah, you know, um, I think more than anything, when women are diagnosed with stage four, the first conversation you want to have with your doctor is, are there any clinical trials? Are there any types of um, new treatments that might be available? And, you know, definitely what are the things that are opportunities out there to look towards um, a a more positive outcome. And with people, uh, you know, the the goals of treatment, like you say, when you walk into a diagnosis of cancer, the first thought on our mind is to eradicate the cancer. GTFO. Uh, If you don't know what that means, look it up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's like you walk in, you go, ha, make it go away. Mm -hmm. And, and a woman who's heard the words, you're metastatic, uh, that becomes kind of twofold because you, first of all, you have to wrap your mind around the fact that you've been told you have breast cancer. And then secondly, you have to wrap your mind around the fact that cancer has spread and is aggressive. And um, honestly, there are moments in that diagnosis that you don't know if you're going to survive or not survive this particular, you know, diagnosis. And it, it, it's something that we always want to hope is an opportunity and option, uh, and it is very reasonable as you are diagnosed and throughout the diagnosis to be talking openly with your doctor about whether or not um, the NED or no evidence of disease is something realistic for you to be looking towards. Um, and and that, I, I, you know, I love our our my mentor and the co-founder of Breast Friends used to always say this wonderful thing that no no one is born with an expiration date on the bottom of their foot. And you know, <laughs> our doctors are amazing, amazing, intelligent, um, talented people, but they don't know everything. So mm-hmm. I think that's when um, that mindset comes in, and you have to be your own best 
advocate. But, um, you know, if the goal oftentimes is to help a person live as well as possible for as long as possible. And doing that, um, there's a couple of specific things that can happen. Um, one of them is to find ways to have the fewest possible side effects from the treatments. You know, there's all sorts of new things out there to make these, these particularly aggressive treatments more manageable. And that's the doctor's role to look for those. There's also uh, the opportunity to find the fewest possible side effects from the cancer treatments. So again, new tests, new opportunities, new um, research is being done, um, clinical trials, all those sorts of things are available and need to be pursued. For the person with cancer, we want to try to make that person have the best quality of life. And that kind of speaks to when it becomes time to maybe think about, all right, what is the best thing for you to be having the best quality of life? And that may not necessarily always be um, being aggressive with your treatment. Mm -hmm. And for the person with cancer, to live as long as possible. That's the bottom line. We want you to live, but we want you to live with a quality of life that is fulfilling and that gives you um, that sense that this is all um, part of the plan, that you're not, you know, you're not coloring outside of the lines. You know, in the past, many people didn't live terribly long with metastatic cancer. You know, you go back within my lifetime and women were dying with the diagnosis of metastatic cancer you know, the rate was incredible. And even with today's better treatments, recovery isn't always possible. But the doctors can oftentimes, you know, treat cancer even if they can't eradicate it. And a good quality of life is possible for months and even years. And mm-hmm. that's where that's where having your team being proactive, being a communicator and being able to really um, voice your own needs, whether that is continuing with treatment, shifting your treatment, or possibly stepping away from certain types of treatment. That's, Those, yeah, that's what I was also going to say is yeah. there, there will be a time and for, for some people who are, are going through treatment and it may or may not be having the results that you hope for. And it is okay to say, I don't want to do treatment anymore because in your, anyone's cancer journey, you have the options. Your doctors are recommending things, but you also need to look into your, your heart and your head and say, what is continuously right for me? Right. Some people do choose to, if they know they're nearing end of life to stop treatment because they want to feel good for the time they have left. Absolutely. And that is also, that's also very valid. So being your own advocate and working with your oncology team is super important in that aspects. Um, Let's, so we talked about a little bit, we've talked about quality of life and what, so what is obviously, you know, you've said, get your, we've talked about getting your plan in place with your, with your medical team and you know, once that is all going and talking about trials and, and what can we do, but what else should a metastatic patient do for self-care and to make sure that, you know, they're going to get through this in the best manner possible? What, what are some things that you can recommend? 
Yeah, you know, I'm going to, again, speak to the community. And when I say community, I say the community of women and and men and support teams um, like Breast Friends who get it, who understand, who can be someone that you, uh, as a metastatic patient, to try to go through this alone is... uh, inconceivable. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone out there who has heard this diagnosis, you need to run, not walk, to the nearest um, support, peer, one-on-one, uh, any type of program that you can find that will give you that sense of connection. Breast Friends is blessed to have our metastatic warrior group that our um, executive director, Allison Hancock, and mm-hmm. uh, my sister on this journey, um, graciously stepped into the role of mediator and mentor for these women in 2019. And it's an opportunity, again, to connect with other people who understand what you're going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone is interested that we that metastatic warrior group, it happens on the second Wednesday of every month, which I believe is today at 2.30 p.m. or 2. God, that this is the way my cancer brain works. Two o'clock, two two o'clock Pacific time. Yeah. Yes. So if anyone uh, out there is interested in that, obviously, please go on the breastfriends.org website. It's on the calendar or email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org and I can get you that information. But yeah, the support is critical. I can't even, you know, it's and so much of it right now is virtual, which is great for, I mean, yes, in-person connection is nice. However, one thing that the uh, COVID-19 pandemic has done for us, it's opened up the ability for you to find so many more options out there because they are virtual now instead of in-person. So you could be in New York and attending a meeting here that takes place in Oregon. So there are things out there. And um, again, I'm going to talk about metaviver.org is a great place to find um, those meetings as well. So, but Yvonne, I know there's a list of other things that patients can do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some of them are just as easy as a, you know, a click on your mouse or uh, because nowadays, you know, I can remember when doing something like yoga or meditation meant you had to go to a studio, you know, now all you have to do is go to YouTube and uh, find yourself with a plethora of opportunities. And it is amazing how, experiencing a little bit of self-care, you know, giving yourself um, permission, as we like to say, to uh, heal your body in a way that is from a more uh, metaphysical point of view, Um, looking to things that are going to give you that sense of center. Uh, And obviously, we all go to the idea of meditation, but sometimes it's hard to do things like meditate when you're in in the middle of a diagnosis of cancer. How are you going to turn your brain off? And they're like, oh, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah, yeah. but But I think learning that the term meditation and mindfulness has different meanings, Um, Mm -hmm. truly understanding the concepts are going to, and that's a whole nother conversation, but understanding the concept that meditation and mindfulness is not, you know, it's not about the OM. It's about um, finding the time to give your own um, sense of center some attention. And yoga is another way to do that through a more physical way and a more um, body, mind, spirit connection. But finding a way that's going to give you an opportunity to manage your stress as well Mm -hmm. as possible. Because... 
I'm not a doctor, but cancer feeds on stress. Oh, it does. Absolutely. And stress is the thing that's going to keep you awake at night, which Mm -hmm. of course, sleep is something that we all need to heal. And we want to find, regardless of where you are in this diagnosis, ways to manage stress. And sometimes that means looking at what are your priorities right now and maybe shifting them slightly, your job, your your home world, maybe not doing that vacuuming every third day like you used to do. You know, (laughs) do people do that? But yeah, I think, yeah, no, not us either. So, but, um, and finding things around you to laugh at. And we've said this before, there are moments in a cancer journey that are funny. Um, And not only just within the cancer journey, but life is funny. Life is ironic. Life has, I mean, there are, there are squirrel moments. Go on if you have to. I've got this wonderful thing called Happy Cat on my Instagram right now (laughs) that I tell you what, it comes popping up with these little kitties doing these funny things. And I just snort laugh every time I see them. (laughs) You know, find something that makes you laugh every day. And the, the, the need for a certain amount of spirituality in your world becomes very mm-hmm. obvious during this time. And whether you have a relationship with God, a relationship with Mother Earth, a relationship with just the idea of being spiritual, find out what that means to you and really do a little more exploration into it and connection. Um, communicating communication is so critical to managing this time in your life and communication if you do nothing else today write down the word clarity because Mm -hmm. communication means clarity and that is again a whole nother topic we're going to go into at another date but um, we have a tendency not to always be clear with how we're feeling managing these diagnoses and that goes to another strong part of this don't be afraid to complain don't be afraid to say i am having a really crappy day or I am really pissed off. Yeah. That it's okay to be angry. Yeah. And say, it sucks. It sucks. You know what? Mm-hmm. I am not Pollyanna of the, of the stage four breast cancer right now. I am not going to be the poster child. I am mm-hmm. going to kick my heels up in the air and have a tantrum. And that's okay. But at times like that, also be aware that there are amazing programs at your disposal. Um, Palliative care, which you've done um, amazing programs on and and Breast Friends also has done recently a presentation on. It is something for every woman going through a diagnosis of cancer to explore because again, it touches on so many of the things I've mentioned and it gives you a chance to work with someone helping you navigate that time that can be incredibly challenging. And it's expanded so much over the years from what it used to be. And when the time comes and you really are at that stage where you are making some difficult decisions, call in hospice. Hospice is a horribly scary word, but it shouldn't be. These are the most caring, loving people, and they will help you navigate. And this does not always necessarily mean as you move into hospice that you are embracing end of life. Sometimes it's just needing a little bit of extra care, and that's when um, you can really find that level of support. So, you know, all of this information is readily available, and I know you mentioned the Metaviver um, organization, and I would recommend if any of you out there, I don't always recommend surfing the web 
because especially with topics like this, it can be toxic. But metaviver.org is a empowering, embracing, wonderful site with information and support. So please be sure you're on that. Yeah, thank you. It's so so much good information there. And so really the, the goal that we hope that everyone who is going through this is we want them to live as long as possible live, not just survive. Yeah. Yeah. To experience, experience everything that life has to offer in whatever time that they have left. And while a positive attitude is not going to get rid of the cancer, it definitely can help improve the quality of life that a stage four patient has. I was flipping through People Magazine the other day and on one of their opening pages, they have quotes from celebrities. And there was one by Shannon Doherty, the Beverly Hills 90210 actress who has documented her cancer story in the media. And when asked about her only goal was surviving stage four breast cancer, her response was, there's no bucket list because I'm going to be the longest living person with cancer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I saw that too. And I thought, good for you. Good for you. Props to her for the positivity, which is not easy. And I know in your work with Breast Friends and I know of certain individuals, you've seen women who have surpassed timelines and odds. And I know you've got some stories about that that you can share. Yeah, I one in particular that, that I love to share, and, and she's a very dear friend of mine. When I first started being a patient advocate and leading a support group, I had a woman come who, you know, honestly, we all know that look that a cancer patient can have after going through brutal treatment. She was thin, gaunt, had, didn't have any hair, and just was really in that stage where you just wanted to wrap your arms around her and give her all the love that you could. And she, over a course of time, shared that she had been told by her doctors that she had six months to live. And a very courageous woman, but a woman who was facing her own mortality. And at the time, again, she was extremely weak and extremely tired and and really had almost resolved herself to the fact that at um, her age, this was going to be the thing that was going to happen. And I saw her over a period of months and this kind of continued to be her story. And finally, I hadn't seen her in a while, and she, she came walking into our office, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad to see you. And I was like, you look really good. Not that that's a big question mark, but you look really good. <laughs> and she goes, she goes, yeah. She says, you know what? She said, I hit the six-month point, and I was still alive. And I thought, why am I sitting around waiting to die? I'm still alive. I'm going to start living. And, you know, that was almost five years ago. And every time I see her, we kind of laugh because she was like, oh, my God, you know, I was sitting around waiting for that 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 six month bell to chime. Mm-hmm. And I, she's now five years out and she's she's doing fabulous. Yeah. Comes so, to our events, volunteers. And yeah, it's, it's just like. I, I and and it was really honestly and and yes, medicine was definitely involved, but there was a piece to the puzzle that she made the decision in her mind that it was time to start living instead of waiting until she wasn't dying mm-hmm. to start living. So yeah, she just I mean she's constantly an inspiration to me. So I love that. Perfect. Thank you. We do need to take another short break. So stay with us and we'll be back shortly. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck, and my guest is Yvonne Neidegger, and we are talking about metastatic breast cancer, unfortunately, but very actually importantly, so not unfortunately, importantly, um, we've just finished before break about talking about attitude and positivity, but I know there is a counterpoint in that Mm -hmm. because for a patient to, when they are going through this challenging diagnosis and and more than likely hard treatment options, it is really hard and exhausting to keep your spirits up all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the patient, we it's something it's similar to the good patient syndrome. We want to put out there that, hey, we're good and everything is fine. And it's kind of like we're putting on a mask for everyone else around us. And it's essentially like a theater. And I, I've heard you talk about this before. So can you go into that a little bit, please? Yeah. And um, I have told patients at all stages of breast cancer that we, because like you say, we, we want to make, we're, we're caregivers, you know, and most women want to make everyone around them comfortable. And in doing that, we put up this theater, we put up a stage and on the, on the, the stage itself that the public and, the, and our friends and family are seeing are, are all the positivity, all the things that make them feel good, which is important, um, also makes us feel stronger many times. But there are also those moments when we need to go behind the curtains and we need to be able to allow people who have heard this diagnosis to go behind the curtain periodically and, and actually embrace them there as well. So we're not always expecting them to be the poster child and to be the person who is always positive. You know, nothing's worse than when you're having a bad day and you and you really have a moment to voice it with someone who you who cares about you deeply and you say, I feel really awful. I'm scared today. I don't know what's going to happen to me. And their first response is, 
don't worry, you're going to be be fine. fine. (laughs) I mean, seriously, and and isn't that the knee-jerk reaction we all have to people Mm -hmm. who say that because we want to give them comfort? But one of the most important things, if you start talking about what can we do as family, friends, coworkers for people who are going through a diagnosis of cancer, let alone metastatic, is that um, we need to let them speak their truth. Um, and maybe it's only a few people in your world. Maybe you have one or two people that are really your people who you know you can say, I'm afraid of dying, or I am embracing the idea that I am going to die, or I'm just afraid that I'm going to have a hard time with this treatment. I'm scared of what's going to be happening next. You need to be able to voice those emotions. So finding your people that you can speak Again, communicate with clarity with um, people who are out there. Know that you need to have ears to listen, that you are not always expected to instantly have a comeback or a follow-up story that, don't worry, you know, I had this situation in my life and I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to have a snappy comeback. You need to just let them voice their truth Mm -hmm. and then give them that understanding and empathy that they need. Um, And then also doing small things for people going through a diagnosis like this is always empowering. And that can be as simple as sending a card in the mail. Now, the card shouldn't say, you know, I'm so sorry you're so sick and I'm really this and that. Just say I'm thinking about you or something funny or, you know, find some off-color card if it's appropriate and send it because nothing's better than opening the mail to a little bit of cheer. There, um, There is a line of breast cancer cards out there and they're funny as shit. They're so, so funny and they're, they're amazing. Them. And even if you don't have anyone in your life right now who has breast cancer or have been through it besides yourself, buy some of these cards to have them on a hand. Oh, because yeah, yeah. There's a day you're going to come when you're going to want to send a card that says this really sucks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. F cancer. I mean, we right. all know. I mean, we mm-hmm. have we have some of our girls that have had cakes decorated with that. So we know that we have again. We have a sense of humor that sometimes we're we're afraid to share with the outside world because they don't realize we need humor at this time in our life. Also, another really important thing is during, especially the month of October, be aware of the color pink and the term survivor, because. A lot of women are not in a space where that's a comfortable thing. And again, this goes to any woman going through breast cancer. Not all women going through breast cancer, and especially women going through metastatic breast cancer, are categorized as survivors, um, are categorized as women who are going to be out there shouting that pink is a good thing. Pink is a good thing. I will emphasize that because what pink does is it brings awareness to all of this conversation. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, for the women within the category, um, a woman going through metastatic cancer to go up to her and, and, and say, isn't it great to be a breast cancer survivor is really... It's like a slap in the face. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable. So be cognizant of the fact that um, the term survivor and the color pink um, can be a very sensitive topic for a woman actually in it. It's not a bad thing. It's just can be extremely sensitive. Yeah. Thank you for that. So we are going to switch gears a little bit. So originally my plan was to have a friend on today who is a medicine. Not just me. I know, and a different <laughs> friend. I have lots, I have, I'm blessed with a lot of friends. So my friend, Pamela George, is a stage four warrior. 
Unfortunately, she was diagnosed at age 23. It just breaks my heart. But she was so diagnosed at age 23 two years ago. She's currently going through some challenging treatments and mornings are not her thing. So this show is dedicated to her today. And as well as some of the others, we have lost at Breast Friends in this this shit show of a year. Um, But since we don't have Pam with us, I'm going to read an article that she wrote which was just published in Wildfire Magazine, which I myself Yay. just subscribe to. And I see hours of finding reading time in there. You can find it at wildfirecommunity.org. Here is 23 by Pamela George. Let me tell you how devastating it was to not only be told I have stage four breast cancer, but then to also hear it, I'd have to lose both my breasts. The biggest piece of what makes a woman a woman. I was going to lose all that at 23 years old. I was told this the very first time I met my oncologist. Survivorship is such a hard word when living with metastatic breast cancer. I feel like I'm trying to survive every day by going day by day. I'm trying not to plan too far ahead. Otherwise, I'll think, will I be around by then? I'm 25 now. It isn't easy, but I do my best every day. It all started in early 2019. I was starting to experience extreme fatigue every night. No matter how long or how much I slept, every morning I wake up feeling like I hadn't slept. I spoke to my doctors and they decided on a sleep study. In late July, the study showed signs of narcolepsy symptoms. So I went most of 2019 thinking I had narcolepsy. Earlier that year in March, I found a lump in my right breast. Honestly, I never knew anything about checking for lumps or anything like that. How could I when no one ever told me? I was 23. Cancer was not on my mind. Then I lost over 30 pounds in a month by doing absolutely nothing. Later, I would learn it was the cancer feeding. The tumor grew in my right breast six centimeters. I took birth control back to back to regulate my periods So my doctor assumed it was breast density. The lump didn't really hurt. No one was worried. So why should I be, right? I went a few months and in mid-October 2019, I scheduled an ultrasound. By then, the lump had grown to 12 by 12 centimeters. On Halloween, I had an emergency biopsy right after the scheduled ultrasound. My affected lymph node was about four centimeters in size by then. The biopsy was absolutely painful and traumatic. I remember it well, despite all of the numbing. And then I remember a whole weekend of waiting. It was incredibly nerve wracking. On November 4th, I got the call that it was cancer. On November 5th, I met my oncologist. On November 6th, I had surgery for my port placement. Three incredibly traumatic and stressful days in a row. We knew then it was at least stage three. The following Friday, I had a PET scan that confirmed it was stage four, with Mets in my lungs. I had my first Zolodex shot on November 20th and my first chemo on the 21st. I did Taxol weekly and every three weeks got carboplatin with Keytruda. That was the first three months. The next three months was AC, otherwise known as the Red Devil. That was the hardest chemo for me. At last, I finished chemo on April 29th, 2020 and was declared no evidence of disease. I was able to use a cold cap to keep some of my hair. Five days later, I had an appendectomy because my appendix was about to burst. 
Then a few weeks after that, on May 28th, I had a double mastectomy with reconstruction with expanders. I remember the drains were rough. I started radiation mid-July and got engaged on August 1st. That was the best day of 2020. I was so busy and happy about my engagement. It was absolutely devastating when we found out that the cancer had returned in my lungs. I was in the middle of starting oral chemo, Zalota, thinking I'd have more time in remission. It's been a long, long road of constant ups and downs, dealing with side effects and setbacks and so much more, but I do my best to spend my days doing whatever I want to do what makes me happy. Not all days are great, but I think it's important to find something that you're passionate about. Like when I discovered I'm good at makeup. After I had to lose a lot of my hair, I didn't feel good about myself. I started experimenting with makeup. Since then, my makeup skills have grown significantly and it makes me feel proud and accomplished. I enjoy sharing this beautiful art I create with others. It's something that helps keep me going despite the hard days, despite hearing bad news all the time. Right now, the plan is to stay on Zalota until it stops working against the cancer or until my body can't take the side effects any longer. Then my oncologist has a plan B and a plan C. I'm very blessed for the medical team I have. I share my story with everyone because I know how it feels to be so young diagnosed with stage four cancer and to be told I'd maybe lose my hair, for sure lose my breasts, and realistically not live a long life. I know how it felt to be so scared of the idea of support groups, but finding all these organizations and people on Instagram who show me I can still have a good life despite this disease means a lot. It's not easy, but it's possible because I know that if I give up mentally, my body will follow. I recently married my best friend, the love of my life, on June 15th, 2021. Even though we have no idea what my future looks like, we still wanted to get married. We got married less than a month after we found out the cancer had moved in my brain and I had emergency brain surgery. As I write this, I will soon undergo five brain radiation treatments. I am still surviving and thriving and doing everything I can to kick cancer's ass every day. I'm not backing down. I will continue to enjoy my life day by day, and I continue to plan my future with my husband. I do my very best to stick to a healthier diet and exercise, though we all know stage four breast cancer with constant treatment, you need rest. You need rest. So none of it is as consistent as I would like, but we must have grace because we are battling every day nonstop. It's not easy, but we must give ourselves grace. We are warriors. Oh, thank you so much, beautiful Pam, for sharing that. I'm, I'm in awe of you and your story. And before I forget, I want to give all the shout outs to you because um, we're almost out of time where people can find you. On Instagram, you can find Pam, Lady and Warrior Pink. And for the love of all things makeup mm-hmm. on Facebook, she is warrior, not worrier. And also for all the things makeup, please follow her and say hello. She is amazing. Oh. She really is. And I, I have to um, chime in because I saw Pam yesterday and 
Um, it's hard for me to hear this because I was also part of her, her first yeah. part of her story. Um, she came to one of our young warrior meetups in 2019. So I was blessed to actually be a part of her world from the very beginning. And I can tell all of you seeing her yesterday, you know, you want to walk into a room and be um, as positive as you possibly can in a situation like this, because obviously with what she's gone through, she's really battling. But what amazed me was I walked into the room and she made me feel positive. She made me feel um, that life is worth living. She talked about her wedding. She was so joyful about the things in her life that she'd been blessed with. Um, Joshua, her, her husband, who is an amazingly compassionate, wonderful man, was right there by her side. Her sister, Megan, was there. And we were all laughing and talking and having a great time. So, you know what? Yeah, you can do it, girls. You can do it. Yvonne, thank you you so much for being here today. Pam, we love you. This show is dedicated to you and also to Becky, Caroline, Raquel, Megan, and the others we've lost this year. Yeah. Oh, if you or a loved one need our services, please visit breastfriends.org. You can make a donation on our website or by texting BF Radio to 41444 to help Breast Friends continue on its mission to ensure that women don't go through cancer alone. We'll be back next week. Until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.